You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Okay, good morning, everybody. Well, uh, sometimes you have to get a late start to get going, and that's exactly what we did. We got a late start to get going, but we're going now, and uh, we've got our favorite doctor on as a matter of fact, and we're going to be talking PTSD in just a minute. Before we get started on all of our shows like this, we uh, have a moment of silent prayer for our veterans and for those that are on active duty and for all of our EMTs that uh, take such good care of us all of the time. And uh, we appreciate our EMTs more than they will probably ever know but um we do appreciate them and um so with that being said let's have our moment of silent prayer and then we'll come back with the other thing that we always do Thank you and uh, amen, and we appreciate that. And uh, we've got Dr. Don Moeller on the line. Don, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing, Dad? I'm doing just fine. And uh, are you doing okay today? How's the weather? Yeah, going? considering the cold weather for Georgia and the snow that's kind of coming, I think we got a positive attitude. Well, that's good. And in fact, that's great. So, with that being said, we also do one other thing, and here it goes. Oh man, young man, he can hang. He can hang. Feels good. Feels good. So good. So good. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Pick him up. Pick him up. Put him down. Put him down. First to left. First to left. Then you're right. Okay, so we got your hearts pumping, and we're ready to go with a veteran's place on America's Web Radio. And, uh, you know, we may not have traction uh, literally <laughs> latter part of the week or even uh, later today. Is it the bottom's going to drop out of this thing? Uh, but we'll, we're used to that cold weather every now and then. We can handle it, and... If uh, push comes to panic, we'll just do a Jody. Would that be all right, Don? That'd be fine. That's a confidence-building maneuver. That's it. I tell you what, uh, the Jody's got me through a lot of stuff. But anyway, this isn't about Jody's. This is about PTSD, and we've gotten some good comments. And if you have a comment on any of our shows... But particularly on this one, and you have a question for Dr. Don Muller. Don, by the way, just to give you his credentials, is a dental surgeon as well as an MD. And, uh, boy, he knows the inside and the outside and all parts in between. So uh, we're we're very fortunate to have Don doing a show for us. And uh, he is bringing and shedding light on PTSD like no other person has or no other radio station has. So if you suffer from PTSD or you have a family member or a friend that does, be sure to have them listen to they might not be able to listen on short notice to the show today, but we archive all the shows, and there are a bunch of them that uh, Don has done in the past that people can go back to. And before I forget it, get out your pen and paper because inevitably Don is going to say something that strikes your fancy and you'll want to write it down. 
and uh, this happens almost every show, and I, uh, I'm i just privileged to be with Don on the show. And uh, so, with that being said, I think you've got a, a particular portion of PTSD you're going to address today, and I'm going to turn it over to you, Don. Yeah, uh, it's a season of faith, and that's what the Christmas season is about. It's a Christian's, it's a pretty much a historical event where Christ, God himself, came to earth. And so what we're going to do today, and I want you to jump in there, Dave, is we're going to talk about a topic that's rarely discussed, and it's called moral injury. And we've covered a lot of topics uh, in the what is it, several months we've been doing this. And this one is uh, very well researched. Uh, and I want to give credit for the text that I'm using. Uh, it's called Religion and Recovery from PTSD by Harold Koenig. He's a very well-qualified physician, psychiatrist, and researcher at uh, Duke University. And he puts out a, a, a newsletter for spirituality and we'll just say medical problems and psychiatric problems. So moral injury um, has been documented with the same scientific and statistical uh, evaluation methods that psychologists use uh, to substantiate their treatments. And so when we talk about moral injury, uh, we're not talking about uh, two guys in a train station arguing whether or not, you know, religion has an effect on life. We're just, we're, we're well past that argument uh, because the clinical effects that moral injury has on people with PTSD uh, has been extremely well documented. And if you read that literature and with the, with a fine-tooth comb, the same fine-tooth comb that you drag over psychological uh, therapies, cognitive behavioral therapy, cognitive processing therapy, uh, eye movement disorder, blah, 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 and on, on, then you're going to find that it's got a continuity that, that sounds as scientific and is as scientific as... Um, that modern-day psychologists evaluate their own. So what we're going to do, moral injury, uh, now you've got theology creeping in to the PTSD situation because moral injury and PTSD, some of the symptoms can overlap. And in certain populations, uh, for example, uh, firemen, our first responders have a higher incidence of moral injury than do police officers. It doesn't mean they're any more moral. It means that the circumstances that the firemen and EMTs find themselves in are different uh, than the, the circumstances that the police officers find themselves in. So to evaluate someone for PTSD, there are several criterions uh, that they use, several areas. So we're not to beat this to death, but we're going to talk about criterion D right now. And that's a symptom cluster with negative uh, emotions, cognitions. Uh, it, some of the things involved are guilt and shame and non-quantifiable things to the, to the world. But they're extremely real to the people suffering from them. And so it, you've got an overlap between PTSD and moral injury. Well, that's critical. And it's real critical in the area uh, of the military. You can get PTSD, and we'll call it getting it, or be exposed to events that can participate, precipitate PTSD in a traffic accident, rape sexual trauma, severe assault. But the moral injury uh, portion of it really affects soldiers and people in combat. And we're going to 
talk about the 10 dimensions of moral injury. The reason I'm doing this is military guys, soldiers, and or first responders, if you start seeing yourself in these, that's good. Because moral injury is as treatable as other components of PTSD. And we're going to discuss that. But the first thing we need to do is identify, hey, that's me. We're looking in the mirror here and over the radio. You, you don't have a doctor sitting next door to you or in, your, in the room, in the exam room, but we're here at the other end, the other end of your uh, web hookup. So what we're going to do, we're going we're gonna to show you what's kind of to look for. And so the symptoms of moral injury, you can put down 10 dimensions. The first one we're going to talk about is guilt. Now, that, that's pretty impressive because you can say, well, I know people, they just don't feel guilty about anything they do. Well, that may be true, but it has nothing to do with you if you're a soldier or EMT that, that's having a problem with guilt. And, and you didn't ever think, well, how can guilt be connected or overlap with PTSD? And, and that's kind of the reason we're having this program. Now, especially what happens, what, what causes guilt? Well, it has to be, uh, you have to enter a situation where your moral uh, beliefs and your cultural norms have been transgressed. And you say, well, I don't normally deal with my moral code when I'm just walking down the street and buying a hamburger. Well, in a way, that's true. You can kind of ignore it. But when you go into combat and you're forced to do things to preserve your life or the life of your friends, and that includes combat, watching others killed and assaulted, that's going to have changes on you as a human, as a person, as a as an individual with a spirit. you Animals are not in this league. Uh, tigers go out and eat an, other animals and they don't regret it. And that, that separates mankind from the animals. And so we have a moral code that we have to follow. Whether or not you realize it, you do have a moral code. Another thing it, is is shame. Now, shame is different from guilt. Why? Well, guilt, you can think of a, a, a criminal activity where you have uh, uh, intervened uh, in the rights of others, whereas shame is a personal injury to the self, and that separates it. It's different than guilt. Guilt is basically remorse which one feels over having done something that brought harm to others, and the key word is others, and therefore it's about the other person, harm to the other person. Well, shame is more about your personal identity. Again, you're walking down the street and you're going to buy a hamburger. That You're most likely not going to have something confront the issue of your personal identity. Well, in combat, and, and, and Dave, you'll agree with me, you're going to find out who you are and, and what you're made of. And this is one critical factor to understand in, in people with PTSD, is that you've been exposed to situations where you had to, we'll say, dig deep. And you're going to find out who you are and how you respond in, in these high-stress situations. And so, let's say, and my dad was an accountant. You might be able to go through your entire life as an accountant and, and never really be challenged in, in a moral situation or in a situation that's going to, where you're going to have to dig deep and find out who you really are. So, again, we're going to talk about shame as remorse against the self for having committed an act that was dishonorable or improper. Well, 
the reason we're going to talk about dishonorable and improper, those kind of are, are, are theological terms. Because to a savage uh, animal who's hunting for food, those terms don't enter into the conversation. You cannot live in a society and not have uh, a concept of dishonorable or improper. It's impossible. Even if you live in a culture that outside that culture, you may think, well, I don't see why they do that. However, within that culture, those people um, have their worldview, and we've talked about worldview before. So let's just briefly review. PTSD is not just, like we were talking in the last couple of weeks, cardiovascular changes, endocrine changes. Those are physical manifestations of how your body perceives and reacts to having been under tremendous stress. Well, moral injury uh, also is capable of causing physiological uh, problems, which are characteristic of both PTSD and moral injury. So it's not a trivial point saying, well, so I had to kill this guy, so what? He was a bad guy. You can say that, and the the words can roll off your lips, but later on in your life, there is an effect whether you want to admit it or not. So this is a critical thing. If you're struggling with PTSD, no one's told you this, well, this is kind of like finding uh, a gold coin in the street. You say, hey, look, I didn't know that before, uh, that that it could affect my spirit. And we're going to talk, work our way down the 10 dimensions uh, of that. Another thing that happens uh, is the feeling of betrayal. And what is that? Well, betrayal, you have to have kind of a contract that you assume. Like, you know, you say, I'm going to mow your lawn for 10 bucks, and you mow the lawn, and he gives you $2. You say, well, we kind of had a contract. Well, betrayal is your belief of what is right uh, from someone who holds authority over you. And, again, we're going to put in a high-stakes situation. So you say, hey, I feel I'm PTSD and I feel betrayed. I, I just didn't know where that feeling was coming from. You know, the sergeant or lieutenant ordered us to do this, and the outcome really was terrible. And having been enlisted for three years in the Army, I was on the bottom of the feeding uh, chain for three years. Uh, and actually, I could look back and say it was, I'm glad that it, I did that or that that happened to me. Uh, so what happens when you feel that you're betrayed? Well, first of all, it's one of the 10 dimensions of, uh, of moral injury. But you, some people manifest it as anger at the persons who put them in this situation. Now, the things I'm talking about, guilt and shame and anger, these are going to occur. They're not uh, things like, I just decide not to have that or I'm going to ignore it. No, it, it's going to happen to you and it's going to happen to a certain percentage of people with PTSD and overlapping injuries. Don, at, so, at that... Dave, uh, you have a comment? Yeah, at, at that point, uh, let me ask, uh, between shame and when you go into betrayal, uh at that point, aren't you taking on a judging situation where you're judging the person for what they yes. did to you or something like that? Yes, Dave, thanks for being at the other end. Uh, yes, and here's, we're going to talk about that. Another one of the ten dimensions, the person that's getting judged, you're judging yourself in, in one aspect. You, you're saying, I let myself down. I should have done better. I could have fought harder. I could have done this. That's self-judgment. But there's another thing, and we'll talk about it, it's another dimension of where you go, I'm angry and I want revenge against the group, or i.e. the Army or the United States or your country that you're fighting for. I want revenge against people that did this to me. So yes, that implies that you're making a judgment either against yourself or another party. Is is that answering your question? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and I'm glad you brought it up because what happens is people go, I don't understand the moral injury. I, I just can't walk away from it. I, I had to do something that I just didn't want to do. Well, you cannot, you can try, but you cannot deny moral injury. And I'm sure there are societies and the Nazis for one of them and horrible people and uh, Russia, not all Russians, that are killing the Ukrainians with, without mercy, without remorse. I imagine that there may be some twisted people that this uh, won't bother. And that's, you're, you're moving into a psychiatric disorder. Uh, but we're, we're going to shift back to PTSD. We're talking guys, cops, firemen, uh, EMTs, soldiers, the, the blue collar guys, the, the good citizens that step up to defend their country. We're not, we're not talking a bunch, about a bunch of twisted Nazis running around who don't, they killed millions of Jews. We're not talking about that. I don't think those people, uh, using that term loosely, had any remorse. But we're talking about when the average guy steps up, joins the army to help, you know, defend the country and other, other nebulous things like freedoms, you know, right to have a job, right to free speech. When the average guy steps up, he's the one that gets PTSD. And so, when you come in the military or the police or firemen, you say, hey, I'm, I'm here to help people defend liberty, and you end up having to be forced to make really difficult uh, uh, moves in a highly stressful uh, situation, then uh, you're not really equipped to do that. You haven't been indoctrinated to be an uh, evil person. And another one of the dimensions is violation of your moral values. Now, regardless of how you want to view it, your upbringing, your moral figureheads, they'd be like your teachers, your professors, your friends, uh, and your parents, and even clergy have put put a framework into you, kind of like loading a program on a new computer that you buy. You've, you've been programmed with cultural and societal belief systems. But again, when do you need these things? Everybody goes into the store to buy something, or you get in line when you know, you're waiting your turn. Well, these are things that you've been taught in society. They're not going to actually stress your moral values if you leave a line or maybe cut in line. Those are not probably going to bother you the rest of your life, but when you're forced to act in high-stress situations, now now you're going to be uh, uh, probing the borders uh, and bounds of, of your belief systems. Don, we need you to have to, and you're not, you didn't want to do this. As a matter of fact, a lot of people like to avoid having to make major decisions uh, affecting their life under stressful situations. I mean, that's what we like to avoid. That's where we have planning meetings and discussing things with our friends. Like, what would you do? Well, what happens in the military? You've got your close friends. You've got your family. You've got your society. Uh, and they're taken away from you. They're not allowed. So what's going on now? Well, what happens when you join the military? You acquire military ethics. And in the middle to... of battle, stopping to you know help a child when they drop their ice cream cone, that's not part of getting the mission done. We need you have to, to understand. Uh, we need to military, take a break, Don. Sir. We need to take a break. Okay. And uh, we'll be back with Don Moeller, Dr. Don Moeller, right after a couple of messages. On August 8th. 2022, in violation of the Fourth Amendment, the FBI performed a most egregious search of a former president's home. The Fourth Amendment of the U.S. Constitution provides that, that, that the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated 
and no warrant shall issue, but upon probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched, and the persons or things to be seized. The Fourth Amendment originally enforced the notion that each man's home is his castle, secure from unreasonable searches and seizures of property by the government. We must take a stand, and take back our country. Start taking back our country from the liberal wokes by voting locally for conservative Republicans. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back on a place for veterans uh, with Dr. Don Muller. And, uh, Don, I wanted, wanted to uh, ask you, uh, PTSD, for the most part, not 100%, but for the most part, uh, will... You know, come out of the closet, come out of the clear blue sky and uh, affect somebody. And is there any of uh, what you're talking about today that is likely to be more uh, volatile uh, to the person with PTSD than one of the other dimensions? Yeah, that's that's a good point. And... and Let's just review a little bit. Here's kind of why I, I, I said let's look at PTSD as a rubber frame around a picture which is rubber. And if you have that concept, it will help you understand what can happen. PTSD does not, in some cases, of course it can, uh, like shell shock in, in World War One. You know, those those guys being hammered with artillery just relentlessly. And if you read World War One history, it's phenomenal that any anybody made it out without being in shell shot. But that aside, what does happen is your frame in your picture has been bent and stretched, and the picture. When you come back from combat, you're in a, I could be killed at any time framework. There's no place of safety. And so you think differently, especially our combat arms, uh, people in infantry, artillery, you know, special forces, and things like SEALs, Navy guys, uh, river patrol boats, where you every day go out and confront the enemy. That is giant wear and tear on your emotional system. That's giant wear and tear on your moral injury system. And so even if you're in the rear now, the fear of being shelled and or these rockets that are now being used in uh, um, Ukraine, that gives you an idea. This is a slow ner- central nervous system manifested problem. And so it starts taking its effect. So when you are used to being on patrol and being hyper alert, those were survival skills. You come back to the United States, home or wherever you are if you're listening throughout the world, those are now part of you, and you didn't know you you got inoculated. Kind of like Agent Orange of the Mind, you didn't even know you were getting injured, but you were building up, you know, uh, deadly amounts of chemical contaminants. Same thing happens with PTSD. You didn't know what was going on, why it was happening. You were just surviving. Your primary interest was on survival and, of course, the mission, and the safety of your friends. And while all that's going on, you you did not have time to, to, to stop and uh, think, hey, let me just blow the whistle here, stop the game, and, and analyze what I just went through. No. And before you could even analyze that, the next mission came up, and you were right back in the same thing. Well, what happens when you get back and get out of the military, your time and services up. Well, you notice you're acting a little differently, but 
structure, your frame, your worldview, the one you have has been bent, and your picture looks very reasonable to you. The picture that shows you when you go into a restaurant, you're going to sit and face the door. You're not going to have your back. That's reasonable. So here's a picture of you. Let's make it, a, you know, just a, a photo gallery. Here's a picture of you going to a restaurant before you went and deployed. You'd sit anywhere. You didn't care. Now, for some reason, you are going to sit facing that door. And it will get to the point where your wife, loved one, or friend, you they're going to just not even, they will tell us, it's happened with my wife, said, don't put us there, he won't sit there. And the waitress just looks at her like, what's wrong with it? She goes, he won't sit there. And I won't. And you go, well, why is that? Well, in my picture, my bent frame picture with the rubber photograph, that's that's how I view the world. Think about why am I doing this? Well, that's an effect of your alert response, the initial stage of it. Because you're not going to be surprised by a yahoo walking through the door. You go, yeah, but your chance of that happening. Remember, PTSD, you don't sit there and do statistical manipulations for everything that might happen in your life. Okay, Those people who, who were exposed to PTSD situation in a wreck, a, a terrible wreck, they don't want to drive their car anymore. And the argument, yeah, but statistically, yeah, that could probably never happen again. Well, you're talking to a wall. So, Dave, did that kind of answer your question or not? Yeah, and and I guess the other uh, the other portion of that though is is which one will come back to haunt you more? Uh, is one of the ten something that'll come back? Uh, yes, yes, uh, and, and that's. That, and, and see, some of these questions I can give an exact answer to, quote, exact. Yeah, as you uh, go through your life, you know, I, I got back from Vietnam, immediately started college in science, I mean, finished college in science, went from that into the dental school, went from dental school to the Army, did the um, oral max facial surgery residency at Walter Reed, high intensity, went from that into full-time practice, in an army, then got out, went to medical school, then internship. Well, finally, when you get old and your world doesn't have a million things to fill your mind, yes, it starts to come back. It floats like a uh, like bobbers. They start bobbing up to the surface. And do Vietnam vets from 50 years ago start having worse encounters or episodes of PTSD? Yes. So if we have the Vietnam veterans listening, or Desert Storm, that's 30 years from now. And let's say you were 40 years old in Desert Storm, a senior sergeant, officer, and now you just retired and you're going, why is this garbage starting to come back in my life? Well, your mind doesn't have a million things that are ahead of it to do. Your, your, your mind prioritizes. So the answer is yes. If you were in the military five decades ago, and now you're saying, man, I can't, I'm trouble falling asleep. That's kind of like the progression of PTSD. So, uh, it can come back to haunt you. And, uh, not only that, but, uh, there is a progression of it, uh, that, uh, you don't know which one is going to get you more. And uh, right now, I've got a microphone that's about to get me, because <laughs> uh, anyway, um, and, uh, you know, and I guess PTSD is totally always unpredictable. It's, pre- let's, it's predictably unpredictable, okay? And so, uh, that's, <laughs> it's predictably Unpredictable, and that's why I wanted to include moral injuries uh, of this nature because uh, it can be quantified. You go, how can you quantify uh, something that seems to be unquantifiable? Well, it can be, and that's what our little program this morning is about. For example, uh, when you have a moral injury, 
you can kind of predict uh, another thing that's going to happen, and, and that's loss of meaning. Now, that is a core symptom of, P, of moral injury, loss of meaning. You go, well, I'm not into, into existentialism. Well, it doesn't matter. These are existential issues. And, and I'm going to stop here and point to the book of Job. If you, and I, oh, by the way, I also went to seminary, so I graduated from seminary. But I went back and one of our courses was on Job. And Job is the book, I'll, I, I'm going to rename it here on this show only, the book of PTSD. You have to, you have to read Job. Here's a guy, Mr. Joe Average. He was a man of wealth at that time. He's running around enjoying life, family reunions, his farm's doing good, his animals are doing good. God wipes out his children, wipes out his farm, animals, and now Job is a betrayal of Job asking God, why, why me? And his answers, if you look at Job, if you read one verse in the Bible, make it Job's chapter 7, there are a couple verses, read the whole thing, chapter 7. He's talking about being on his bed, tossing and turning and night visions, and upset stomach further on, and bowels and blah, blah, blah. And so, if you want an answer of why, why of man banging on, on the heaven's gate and door asking, why me? That's your book. And that book is the chronologically the oldest book in the Bible. Genesis, yes, is the first book. That was reorganization. But scholars uh, will maintain that the book of Job was distributed widely before the book of Genesis. And so God's first interaction with man is you're going to be asking why. Why did this happen? And this is going to lead us into another area of the Ten Dimensions. We'll get to that. But loss of meaning. You have to have meaning to go through life. There was a psychiatrist in World War II. His name was Viktor Frankl. He was Jewish, and he was put in a concentration camp, I believe. But at any rate, his his work is, is if you want to get into the head game, but he said that when the people in the concentration camp lost meaning and these existential issues, they were the ones that died. There was no reason to continue. So if you go, well, you know, I don't care what I believe, I'm going to live so long and whatever. No, you're not. The loss of a purpose for living, the loss of meaning, you can't have purpose for living if you don't have a meaning to live. And they, they did a large, very large study, um, uh, Vietnam, I think Vietnam veterans, and they said this statement, oh, let's see, is my life has no clear purpose. That's what they asked them, and they said, rate that on a scale of 1 to 10. Well, 10 being my life has no purpose. Over 50% had a 5 or higher. So that was not a trivial question to ask. And, and uh, you can say to the people reading the book of Job, why did I have these problems? And Job, we'll talk about that later. Job got his answer. God said, I know what I'm doing. Your answer's in another dimension. Well, then you go, well, I don't know that I want to believe in an afterlife. Well, you're caught on the horns of dilemma now. Because if once you deny that there's a, a higher meaning, you're not going to have a, 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 as good a chance of recovery from PTSD. Now, we talked about uh, issue of revenge. Now, that's another of the ten moral injuries. And a central role, especially among the military, you find out that you're angry. I, I don't know that I'm angry, but you go, you're harboring resentment and unforgiveness towards two things. Well, actually three. Yourself, the people that put you in that situation, and towards God. And that's why I brought up the book of Job. Job didn't do anything wrong. He was a good guy. Why is this happening to him? Well, that's what you call... As a matter of fact, the, the philosophers, uh, Bildad, Zophar, Eliyahu, whatever, they said, look, curse God and just admit that you screwed up. 
And Job said, I didn't. I didn't. Well, now you're getting an idea of the, the fundamentals of what PTSD is. I just went to war, I tried to do my job, and I came back messed up. And you're going, but why me? Well, the revenge issue is against yourself. Remember, we talked about guilt and shame. It's against others, those people who put you there, your government, you know, the sergeants, the officers, and towards God for letting it happen. Now, we'll talk about these more in depth in other shows, but getting revenge and keeping the revenge cycle it's a, going, it's, it's a brutal cycle because someone has to pay for doing this. And it's a, we'll call it, vicious cycle of rumination. And this idea that you must get revenge. We're not going to judge whether or not you're right or wrong having that. I'm just going to tell you the clinical effects of it. It's going to generate, continue to generate stress and continue ongoing pain. And when we talk about PTSD and chronic pain, your your nervous system upregulated. We talked about that a couple shows ago. Yeah, it does have an effect on how you receive pain. So healing, and this is right out of the book from Dr. Koenig, forgiveness from yourself and others. And I will tell you, it's hard. It's hard for soldiers because we're in, you know, where else and what other business can you go to jail if you don't get your hair cut? I mean, that, that's, <laughs> Dave, isn't that right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> if, you know, if your boss says get a haircut and you don't, you go to jail. <laughs> so, or you get to uh, do a... That's where we are. We're in the military. We're in the, in the EMTs. you got to follow protocols. And you go, protocols made me do this. Protocols. And Dave, you're an EMT. There are right. people laying in the road. And the protocol says I have to do this, this, and this person first. And then after the accident, you say, oh, that beautiful girl or that young man died. You had to walk away from it. And that's what I'm talking about with EMTs and firemen. The protocol says you can't go in that house. And some of my good buddies are firemen. You can't go in in that situation. Well, if, you, if it was up to you, you would. But your protocol said you will not. And uh, so that's where we're going with this. These these things, these ten dimensions of moral injury, and we'll review them in a minute, are are real, and they're out there, and they're banging on your door. Well, let me so, ask you, uh, Don. Does do the two words as you're trying to sleep, or as you're Thinking back over this, and you have PTS, PTSD. Do the two words come into play? If only, if only I'd done this. If only I'd done that. If only I'd been more cognizant of this. So, do those words really come into play? Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely, uh, David. By the way, the, to the listeners, we we do not rehearse this. When I say Dave is guess what I'm going to say, say that. Yeah, yeah, that's where the grief, guilt, and shame come into it. You see, somebody's got to be responsible. I want revenge. Well, then what happens when it circles back and says, well, then take revenge on yourself. You see, you go, if only I... If only this, and and you say, if only I had stepped in, my buddy, I had a, I had a patient who was a sniper. I've had a lot of snipers, and he said to me, if I'd only taken the shot earlier, the lieutenant would be alive. And I mean, I mean that was years and years ago. He was a special, uh, you know, ranger guy, whatever. And he said, if I'd just taken the shot, so, Dave, your question is very profound. It doesn't matter if you're an EMT, if I adjust, you know, or uh, fireman, if I just seen that room on fire. Well, who else? You know, I took accounting, and I never <laughs> regretted, like, oh, if I just seen that account. I don't care. I just took my eraser, went back, and redid it. Turned my paper in and got a C. You know, who cares? So, 
Hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, if only I. And there where you're laying in bed and you're older, where you're back from the war zone and you have time, yeah, that's what we're talking. That's the sign of the moral injury and shame. Is that making sense? Oh, yeah, and uh, it makes a lot of sense. And you, uh, I, I guess that's a portion of the reliving of it, right? Yes, yes. And that's exactly how some of the therapies work. And we'll talk about cognitive processing therapy. What? And, and, and let me just put in here, spiritually integrated cognitive therapy. And what that does is you go back, and let's just, and I, I'm, I'm not doing, quote, doing psychology on air here. But when you go back in and you go, I can't understand why I did that in combat. Well, you had six other guys on your AWS, and you're trying to stay alive, you just can't keep track of everything. So cognitive processing, and sometimes it's called re-experiencing and virtual reality, that's pretty rough therapy. Very few guys take it and go through it because we don't want it. we, us personally, don't want to go back, myself included. But the point is, when you go back and you reprocess and reevaluate it, you go, wait a minute. Uh, I had a friend, you know, I, I didn't know. I was down in my tank when the lieutenant got it. I, I was supposed to cover him, but I had to go down. Some guy wanted something down in the tank, and he lowered his head. And when he came up, the lieutenant was, was dead. Well, you didn't stick your head down in your tank to, to avoid getting shot. You, you had another problem you were taking care of. And so part of, of uh, what, what we're talking about here is a, a cognitive approach to what could you have done. Does that help, Dave? Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, and I think this is what, well, I'm asking you, is this what will, you know, you're driving down the road and something you see or something that happens and it brings back that memory from the battlefield or wherever you are or whatever you were doing, if it, uh, if it was an accident or whatever. Right. And then all of a sudden you're into the, if I had, if, you know, in that's right. into that mode. That's PTSD. That's one of the areas uh, that we talked about, criterions. That's reliving the past, having these uh, unintentional forced uh, perceptions uh, coming in at various times or reminders, you know, uh, of, you know, you, 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 let's say you had a bad accident and, you, and there was a, a, a red pickup truck on your right. Well, when you see the red pickup truck, that can initiate um, a remembrance. And that's, that is one of the things that, that that's going on. Uh, and so uh, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to stop for a minute because we have about four or five more to go. But I had... Uh, and this definition, and I want to mention because we're getting close to ending. I, uh, if you think about it, why do they call it post-traumatic stress? Post-traumatic stress disorder. Well, it's like I'm a normal surgeon. I'm like post-punched in the face disorder. What does that have to do with anything? That's just saying I was punched in the face. You can have brain injury, ocular injury, nasal injury, jaw injury, neck injuries. It just says post in the punch, post punched in the face syndrome. Think of the other word, heart attack. What What is a heart attack? It's like, it's called myocardial ischemia, MI. Well, that's telling you what's going on. PTSD doesn't tell you what's going on. It tells you what happened but it doesn't say doesn't list what else is happening it's like saying calling asthma a lung attack you go wait a minute it, we, we know what the specifics so I I want to rename and this is just for the guys and the listeners I'm going to call it C6RD C6RD and they go what's that well I want you to listen because everything PTSD deals with, I made a list. The first C stands for cognitive. Well, the 
first R is recognition. In PTSD, when you recognize something, it's not the same thing that the guy that never was in combat sees. The second R is reassessment. What are you doing with that thing that you misrecognized? Like you're, I'll take what you said, Dave. You're driving down the road and you see a red, big red pickup truck. Well, the average guy, 99.9%, aren't going to have a problem with it. You are because you're reassessing what you recognized as a precursor to a remembrance of PTSD. The next R is rationalization. You say, the reason I have to watch out for red pickup trucks, and your 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 uh, brain does this, parts of your brain, your amygdala or hippocampus is in on this game. You rationalize that in my life, if I just watched out for red pickup trucks, I wouldn't have had that accident. The next R is response. What is your response? What is your, re- another R is react- re- reaction. Your response or reaction is not what somebody without PTSD is going to have. They don't even know what you're doing. Your response is survival response when you see a red truck. Well, what happens next? You go, I have to reevaluate this because this isn't normal. You know that. But the other responses are taking over. The final of the six R's is remediation. You have to actively train yourself that red pickup trucks are no longer included in your danger list. So for the purposes of this show and and my jabbering here, I'm calling it cognitive six R disorder. So it reminds the people, just like when you have an earache, it hurts in your ear. A jaw ache is a tooth abscess, okay, usually. But if you call something a jaw ache, that could be a million things, eh, 10,000, whatever. A toothache is, is pretty much letting you know, hey, doc, I have a toothache, okay? Well, C6RD, and sounds like one of these missing enzyme genetic diseases, but C6RD is why I'm, I'm telling the guys in our in our lifeboat here, remember, you've got recognition that's altered, your assessment is altered, your reassessment is altered, your rationalization is altered, your response is altered, your reevaluation is altered, and your remediation methods are altered. So that tells you a lot more when you see a soldier that has C6RD disorder. That's what you need to look for, okay? When you have cardiac failure, you have swollen, I mean, swollen ankles. You've maybe a distended abdomen. We've got to wrap it up. Diminished heart sounds. Okay. So I appreciate it as always, and we'll be back next week on A Veteran's Place, only on America's Web Radio with Don Moeller, and we're very glad to have Don on. So we'll be back next week. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.